Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is doing its best not to wobble along with the markets. I'm Scott Phillips, the Motley Fool's Chief Investment Officer, and I'm joined by the founder and managing director of strawman.com, the strawman himself, Andrew Page. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. How are you on this fine day? Mate, I am spectacular. It's a bit rainy, actually, but I'm very, very I'm always well, mate. It's a uh, life is good. Uh, catch your blessings, not your troubles, and all that sort of stuff. It's worth being a little bit positive, I reckon. And, uh, and I think, you know, that's, uh, I, I'm good. What, what have I got to complain about, seriously? Um, I'm doing a whole lot better than most people, or many people anyway, um, who are locked down or losing jobs, not working. Uh, I'm in my own office away from the house where my son is not being homeschooled, but on school holidays, which I, I love him. But it's nice to be at least you know, separated by distance when I'm trying to do a podcast like this. So <laughs> absence makes the heart grow fond, as they say. I think. <laughs> How about you, mate? How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty well. Uh, nice. You know, just trucking along. As, as I said, it's kind of you know the the sense of time passing has become very oh, yeah. weird uh, in, in lockdown. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. I, I, overall, no, no nothing to complain about, as you say. And if I did, no one would listen anyway. So why bother? <laughs> Can I start by embarrassing myself? I was uh, I do I do a regular uh, radio spot on two GB. Might be four BC as well. I'm not sure. Uh, two thirty in the afternoon, just a bit of a market update, right? They just like a two minute cross, and they, that's what I do every five days a week. And uh, I was doing that this Tuesday, just gone, and uh, we're talking about where the market was. Oh, you know, and I said um, Joe Hildebrand was the fill-in host. And he said something about the market getting better during the week. I said, Yeah, well, it's not a bad start for a Monday. I went, oh, it's not Monday. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, and, and Wednesday, it's great. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and I hung up That's the phone the and actually had, I had to check the day. I literally had to, and I went, oh, bugger, it's Tuesday. And honestly, that is, that is the story of my, to your point about time passing, right? I literally didn't know what day it was because seven days a week, I'm at home. Um, you know, it's, it's my, my son's on holidays. My wife's not working because she's looking after my son who's on holidays. And so it's like, the, what, I don't know what day it is. It's just, it's the day after yesterday and the day before tomorrow. And it turns out Tuesday was neither Monday nor Wednesday, mate. So just to put my embarrassment on on uh, the record, the internet never forgets, right? So I'm, I'm, stru- I'm screwed. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it was one of those, one of those days, as you say, time, time passes. Well, it's, speaking of time passing, it's October. Oh, Can you I believe that? that happened? You know, I, did I say last week, I've been saying to a couple of people recently, do you remember back at the beginning of 2021 when we were glad to see, get rid of 2020 because <laughs> yeah, this year was going to be better? <laughs> Thank God that's over. Oh, mate. Like nine months better. later, we're yeah. into the 10th month and it's like, oh, wow. that. And look, you know, so po- positives they are. 10 months have actually gone relatively quickly. So, mm-hmm. you know, 2021 sucked <laughs> from that perspective. Mm. But it's also, you know, three quarters of the way through and hopefully things are looking up. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, yeah, I guess, I don't know, but yeah. Ten months ago, mate, the, the the optimism that's what New Year's are about, right? The optimism of a new year of like, oh, thank God that's gone. We're on to a better year. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll say the same next year too. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Oh, 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 don't don't curse us, mate. Don't curse us. <laughs> anyway, mate, should we? So actually, speaking of this week, let's let's start because um, when I was on the radio, I've been talking about some of the movements in the stock market. Now, last mm. week we talked about the big two point one percent fall. Um, it's been a it's been a busy couple of weeks mm. if you like volatility or if you don't like volatility it's been a busy couple of weeks for the very same reasons because we've seen some really big moves on Australian markets on US markets um, growth stocks in particular that I know you hold many of um, a lot of our listeners will hold many of a lot of Motley Fool recommendations and I'm sure straw man companies as well mm. um, these are the companies that have got absolutely whacked over the past couple of weeks and I don't even know where to start with this mate like the, the volatility was already Evergrande last week it's probably partly that um, iron ore prices falling partly for Evergrande, partly for just general Chinese concerns, partly that it was stupidly high in the first place. And that's taken Australian currency and some Australian companies to the cleaners because the dollar is seen as a commodity currency for all the, that actually matters. That's kind of how the world sees us. And yet we've also got this bond sell-off in the US and investors getting nervous all over the place. Um, for new investors, this will seem weird and, and strange and scary. For older investors, it may still seem weird and strange and scary, but we've seen this movie before, right, mate? It's, this is the absence of volatility is really the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, I just I, I I do find it interesting when volatility comes up because and I never really seem to notice it go away. I guess we're talking <laughs> yeah. about shades of grey here, but you know, that, I just, that's almost I, the human condition too, though, right? You don't know like the absence of things are very rarely noticed. Like when we have less volatility. We don't notice it but when it's all of a sudden there. We notice it again. Mm. It's probably both, right? Firstly, as you say, maybe it never goes away at all. But if it does, you never notice it because humans aren't kind of built to notice stuff that isn't there. 
I just think it's the language we use too. It's like the old right. joke, you know, volatility is what how brokers say down. You know, <laughs> no, no one talks about I've volatility when the market's going up. Like in, okay. in terms of, you know, um, standard deviation and you know, <laughs> like how that. these things are measured, it's probably, you know, it can be very high on the way up. Yeah, it's right, not, it's not right. called volatility on the way up. It's called, <laughs> it's called volatility on the <laughs> way down for some reason. Yeah. It's like, it's like yeah, it's like it's like shares and house prices, right? When the, when the share price goes down, someone's got to you got to find someone to blame. When the share price goes up, the person who owns, owns the shares is a genius. That's yes, always exactly. the way too. It's you know <laughs> when, when, when we should. No, you know, be right though. I mean, even not just volatility, but just generally when shares yeah. go up, yeah. you don't kind of go, man, my shares are up twenty percent. That's weird. I wonder what the hell's going on. You're mm. like, oh yeah, I knew that was going to happen. I'm a genius. When they're down five percent, it's like, what on earth is going on? I better sell this stuff. <laughs> and it is just that human that human kind of instinct to notice it. Uh, that being said, mate, a 2% fall in a day is not common. The market has fallen, I think, to levels of three, four, five months ago, whatever the numbers are at the moment. So there have been there have been some meaningful changes. Mm. Um, tech stocks have got sold off badly. I own some in the US, not as many here. Um, growth seems to be on the nose. Gold had its best day in months. Yes, uh, sorry, on Wednesday. We record this Thursday morning. So on Wednesday, um, off, by the way, 52-week low for companies like Evolution Mining, which is amazing. Mm. It's, it, I mean, I... I don't want – is there anything to, to – th- I guess my question is, what is the market telling us, if anything? Is it just doing what the market does or is there a heightened risk? Is there some concern? Is there is there a message we're being sent about where the market or the economy is at? I did a podcast with Gemma Dale from NAB earlier this week and her question was, how do you feel about buying when the when the shares when the share market's so high? Mm. There is that kind of, you know, the market does climb a wall of worry. Is it is it is the market worried? Is it worried for the right reasons? Is this just – playing the same music over again for the 45th time. What is actually happening on the markets, to your mind? Well, there's a, there's a couple of things. The first is context, which which I'm very fond of talking about. So let's mm. let's let's put things in context. So this this terrible volatility that we're talking about, we, we are 5% from an all-time record high. So, yeah. you, know, you know, the market's up 22% in the last 12 months. <laughs> Crazy. So, you know, I don't yeah. I just I fail I fail to see I the the mm. the mm. emergency. Um, now, of course, there is there is a narrative that's out there, and you sort of say, mm-hmm. "Well, why is should we be worried?" Well, let, let's see what the media is saying. Let's see what the general zeitgeist is out there, and it's, mm-hmm. it is it's it's about things like China and Evergrande and what's happening there in terms of the slowdown. There's the US mm-hmm. saying that they're going to put up interest rates and wind back their quantitative easing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, we've talked extensively about how how that. Well, could be bad for markets and the rest of it. So there's there's always a mm, bunch of mm. sort of things to worry about. Yeah. But you sort of say, well, it's interesting. I'll pick up one thing, and I'm not going to try and claim any prescience or credit for this. But I, I'll mm. make the note that the, actually the straw man index, which as you say is very tech heavy, is actually up eight percent in the last couple of months. Right, so right. there's sort of, you know, there's the market, and then there's the stocks you hold, which can be very two very very different things. Mm, so I mm. I was just I was reminded um, during the week that just just that. That really important yet very simple idea that the the economy is not the market, the market is not the business. There is yes, there, yes, there yes. are we lump all of these things together, and there's a lot of sort of stuff happening. But it, it just always sounds um, I know I, I'm very Pollyanna-ish, but I just I come back at the end of the day and go eh, mm. things are still doing really well. <laughs> I'm yep, very yep. comfortable with all of the stocks that I hold. Right, um, right. Could they go down tomorrow? Yes. Could they go down significantly? Maybe, probably. Mm. I don't know. Um, mm. But am I worried about where their long-term future uh, is? No, not at all. So I just I, I know I should be more. Uh, I, uh, um, less dismissive, perhaps, is the best way to put it. But I just, I've yeah. gotten older. I just find myself becoming more and more dismissive of these these things. Not, and that's not to sort of say, oh, there's nothing to worry about. Maybe there is. I just, I don't know. And yeah. and we've, as you said, it's not the first rodeo. We've, there is, I could I could pick a random date in history, and mm. I'll find a negative reason as to why the market's about to crash. And and most of them are wrong. Some of them are right. What's the case at this point? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, am I worried about some of these things? Yes, I think. I think there are some really mm. good reasons to worry about, but some of this. But but again, that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm changing anything that I'm doing. We're we're, we're we're just on. We just repeat ourselves every week, don't we? We do kind of, and I think you know we we have had, as I said last week, you know, coming up. What do you guys keep talking about it? The answer is because people keep asking about it. Is <laughs> the answer, and there's new listeners or people who need to hear it again, and we do get plenty of. Uh, positive feedback of thanks for keeping me sane, thanks for keeping me straight and level. I think that's fair. I, I'm going to play devil's advocate though, mate, again, because that's what I like to do. Um, we could have been sitting here in 1999 
and saying, well, yeah, the NASDAQ's high, but I like the companies and things are going well and you know, I'm a long-term investor and I don't worry about market volatility and yeah, people are saying the market's too high, but I'm okay, I'm okay. And the NASDAQ took 15 years to make back its gains mm. by the time it crashed in 2000 and came back again. Yeah. So I guess, you know, we ironically, while we say on one level and you're right, you're 100% right, um, this happens, volatility happens, all that kind of stuff. We also regularly say, but we don't buy the market. And so I guess the, the, if I push those two together and kind of smash them up and try and get something out of it, it's just because, you know, there are, there are I'm going to say almost certainly, though you may, you may disagree, there are almost certainly some companies right now riding high on that wave of optimism that don't deserve to be, right? Oh, I oh definitely. So are, we're, not, yeah. we're not saying every company should be owned. Every company is worth its current price. God you man. shouldn't worry about any company that you own. There are going to be businesses out there. And I've got to say, mate, I, I would speculate a decent number of them are tech, high growth businesses that are riding a wave of optimism among investors. Money's cheap, growth yep. is easy. Um, I'll, I'll, I can pay anything because, wow, this business could be anything. And, and they all could be and some will be, mm. but some also won't be. And I guess that's the other thing thing of if you're looking if you're looking at your portfolio right now it's a, it, this is a, this is a hard bit of advice to give on one hand we're, i don't want people to worry because the market is where it is because that's useless right the market's not telling you anything just because it's high or 5% off or 20% up they're all true at the same time right so that's not helping us but but if i if you take a half a step back i would say to people if you've had a great 12 months if you are up 20 25 30 35% don't sell because you're up by the same token i would say mate it is worth looking at some of the less proven lower quality businesses maybe you might own and saying gee it's gone really well i don't probably it doesn't probably deserve those sort of gains would you at least be, be looking at that and saying you know what not because it's up but gee it's up a lot and you know if, if it was a, if it was risky when i bought it 20 30 40 percent ago 12 months has passed the market's up for you know this stock's up 40 percent is it 40 percent better no now sometimes that's okay amazon's been up 40 percent many 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 times between three and three thousand Others, you know, maybe get ahead of themselves because you know the rising tide lifts all boats, as they say. And then let me let me smash another metaphor into that one. Uh, as Buffett says, when the tide goes out, you find who's been swimming naked. If you're owning a stock swimming naked right now, maybe there I mean, there are always going to be better times and worse times. But I reckon now's a pretty good time to at least have a look and say, oh, yeah. while well, the market's getting jittery, is that stuff really worth owning? Is it really worth the current price? Do you really have conviction to hold that through a downturn? Because they're the ones I'd probably be asking about. That is 100% true, but then I would say that is always true. Whether the market's <laughs> at a nice all-time high or all-time low, you need to have a very keen eye on, on the businesses that you're, you're owning mm. and have a very, mm. a very good reason for owning them and being able to describe why they are worth holding at the current price. I think that, that, mm. is, that is always true. But the thing you've mm. done there, which is spot on, mate, is, is you're talking about the businesses. You're not talking mm. about mm. the market. Yeah, um, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. I know yep, it. Just yep. to hammer that point, it's just it's yes. so 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 important. Yeah. Um, yes, we could have been here in 1999 and and um, being not so worried mm, about it. But mm. I would argue, maybe at 99, I was actually doing some really dumb things. So, mm. but if I was now <laughs> in 99, I would like to think yeah. I wouldn't be buying Yahoo stock at a PE of 3,000. I think it topped out yeah. at. Yeah. Um, you know, good quality businesses right, that right, have right. endured and you know, well, they haven't done yes. great since there, yes. but they're still around. You what? A, what a terrible investment that was and that's another classic example mm, of just mm. uh, paying too much i look around the market today and i reckon some of the my most favorite companies on the asx i don't own and, and the right. reason is is because now i've i regret that in some ways because it would have been <laughs> yeah. great holding some of these but but yeah. at the same time i'm, I'm sort mm -hmm. of happy to forego that when i really just can't articulate mm -hmm. a high conviction case for value and mm -hmm. and i think I, so again, high or low or sideways, it doesn't really matter. That's that's always the focus for me, and and then I'll just act opportunistically around that, depending on whatever happens. The, the market tends to be doing. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> they're my yeah. thoughts. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, again, like I said, I you know I, I'm, I'm I'm just I'm less um, uh, uh, not extreme. Extreme is the wrong word, but I'm less I'm less. Um, what's the word I'm looking for when you kind of? I'm less convicted about a particular way of thinking, right? Like mm. Microsoft in '99, despite it being a fantastic business, then between then and now and now, still also took. It took about I want to say like the Nasdaq took about 15 years to get back to its 1999 high, right? Yeah. And the, the 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 question would have been, and it's easy in hindsight, right? But if you go back to Microsoft circa '99 and say, so was it ever really worth that much money? Mm. Um, you know, there, there were, I guess I'm just I'm just trying to make the time point. I suppose that. Um, particularly if you're someone who's going to sell when the crash does come uh, because you don't have enough conviction, 
Well, now's the time to look at those stocks you don't have enough conviction about and say, Geo had a good run. If this fell 20, 30%, I'd, I'd be panicking because I don't really believe that much in it. I've just enjoyed the gains. Mm. It's really hard, right? When someone, It's like, like the bank stocks. We've been talking about bank stocks for years and people say, yeah, but look at the last 30 years. I've done so well. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean you'll keep doing well. Mm. I would just say for people, now's the time to look at your portfolio and say, do I have enough conviction to hold these things if and when they fall? 10, 15, 20, 25, 30%. If I don't, because either I don't know it well enough, the business isn't good enough, the price is just simply too expensive, whatever it is, as I say, if you're going to panic, panic early, right? I would just say, if you're going to sell, now's a good time. Not, not the best time, I'm not saying that we're at the top at all. It might go up another 45% before it falls for all I know. Um, but it is a good time to look at the stocks you hold and say, gee, I've had a good 12, 18 months. Are, are these really, you know, are these really justifying or does the, does the business really justify the current price? If it doesn't, that might be on your list of candidates of things to sell. Yeah, well, look, and, and if there is if there is any kind of sort of correction from these these sort of high level, mm. further correction from mm. these levels, I mean, everything's going to get wiped out, no matter how good your comp- your company is. The yeah. difference is is that good quality companies come back and tend to come back stronger. Mm. And when you're a long term investor, and if long term compounding is your game, it's definitely my, the game I'm I'm trying to pay. Yes. What matters above all else is just surviving. Is is endurance? <laughs> yeah, you know, right. is staying in the game. Staying away. Yep. You know, yep, love it. The, the dude out there that might get forty percent per annum for three years. Mm is just you know, shooting the lights out but then gets wiped out on the fourth year yeah. is is obviously far worse off than, than the person who might just slowly, slowly, you know, steadily, mm. steadily sort of compounding 10, maybe 15% per year and, yeah, and yeah suffering suffering these paper losses during the tough times but just coming out the other side bigger and better than ever. <laughs> so you, you, you just, for, for yes, me, the point you make is, is the, the key point you make is, what it, what are you holding? And yes, okay, whether it's gone good, bad, or whatever, the point is is how well is it likely to hold up if things go bad? <laughs> can you mm-hmm. can can you um, argue objectively for the case of value? And if you mm-hmm. can't, get the hell out. And and again, yeah. as I say, do that no matter where the market's at. But correct, partic- correct. particularly now is is given given where some things are, I think it's a it's a good time to do that. <laughs> All right, mate. Let's let's quickly touch on the rest of the macro, and then we can move on. Um, a couple of, couple of data points this week, a couple of announcements this week. Uh, you know, And again, to the point of, depending on what you own, retail sales have fallen for a third consecutive month. Now, surprising nobody, right? Because 60% of the country is still in lockdown, at least mm. by population, not by, not by geography, thankfully. And I would give not anything, but a lot of things to be in WA right now. Um, you know, 60% of the country is locked down. Uh, and the government has announced an end to disaster payments for businesses and workers when the vaccination rates hit 80%. And... I don't know that it needs to... Well, here's the thing, right? We've seen... And you're back, your point about quality is right. We saw Mosaic Brands, uh, the owner of some some uh, mid-ish market, you know, not super high-quality brands, I think it's fair to say, um, have to raise capital because they got locked out of their stores. They don't have an online business. Their business is, is really struggling and waiting desperately for people to come back to the shops. Mm. I don't know what happens next for Mosaic. I don't know it well enough, but I am mindful that... If, if lockdowns persist and the economy doesn't open up before those payments go away, I feel like we're kind of caught in a chasm between two, you know, on one, on one side of it, you've got end of lockdowns, economy back to normal. Mm. That's then. The now is an economy still meaningfully locked down, retail sales, economic activity meaningfully curbed, and the government saying, yeah, we're going to take that money away. I don't know, dude. Like I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm not in favour of over medicating the patient. You want to get out of intensive care. You want to get off the pethidine or whatever the cool kids use these days. Mm. I am a little bit mindful of saying, well, look, they'll probably be okay in three weeks' time. Let's stop the treatment now. Mm. Say, so, no, no, no. You need to treat them until they get better. Um, and I, I do worry about some of those businesses caught in the middle, private businesses, public businesses, that that just simply might actually literally fall over in the in the times between. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really valid concern. Um, Look, this, these payments are costing the government a fortune, um, yeah. and this is the the party of fiscal responsibility. You know, so they they want to end it. Um, and yeah. Frydenberg's yeah. right; you can't keep it going forever. You know, you, yeah. logically, you can't. Um, but it's it's again, it comes back to a question of what's going to end up costing more. That's that's yeah, the calculus that's right. here. Not, not yeah. that it's it's costing a a, a huge ton. Of, uh, mm. <laughs> not to think think of the appropriate word here. A, a lot of a lot of money. But um, if you if you pull those payments early yes. and that has uh, deeper economic cuts, it might end up costing more in the long run. I tend to think it's probably it probably points to more broadly a, a weakness uh, or a failing of the broader welfare net. 
that, yeah, so right. you've got these disaster payments for people who have lost their jobs. But well, we sort of have a system for that anyway. And if, if you're having to pay disaster, yeah. you're basically acknowledging that you just can't live on unemployment yeah. benefits. So mm-hmm. it's, there's probably a, this pro- <laughs> it's broadening up to a far bigger discussion, but. <laughs> There's probably something and another thing for that. <laughs> yes, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, it, it's funny, mate. So the, the the payments are supposed to be scrapped once we hit eighty percent, and sometimes I, I don't I don't believe in in universal karma and all those sort of you know things that are that are fun. But I have to say, I have Twitter open <clears throat> just just beside me as we're chatting here, and literally as I'm talking about it. So as I said, the I've got to set this up properly because the um, the payments are going to be scrapped at eighty percent vaccinations, right? Is the government's plan. <laughs> Uh, and I just opened uh, sort of tweet from the shovel, the satirical website, oh, yeah. which just says COVID nineteen support payments to be scrapped once fifty percent opinion poll target reached, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I kind of like. No, yeah. and no, I'm not bagging the liberals. I'm not bagging the government. Just keep your keep your shirts on for those of you who feel like you know everything needs to be political. I just thought it was funny. It was just one of those yeah, yeah, kind of funny good. funny things to say. And very maybe good. maybe that is the maybe as you as you said they kind of. They're doing this through gritted teeth, right? They'll happily go back to business as usual for them. And ideologically, they're entitled to that view, of course. Um, well, but that was a funny... A it funny is point. important to have uh, some kind of objective measure. Yeah. I just I just wonder if if vaccination rates are... Pro- so, you know, we hit that milestone. Mm. That doesn't mean that everyone who's lost their job due to lockdown instantly that's, gets it back again. Exactly. You know? Or we're out back in the shops in force at the same rates and yep. all that kind of stuff. That, that's, my, that's exactly my issue, right? It's like mm. when the economy gets back to a certain level, you take them away. Yeah, uh, you know, it's like, it's like saying, well, when unemployment gets back to five percent, we're scrapping unemployment benefits. Like, well, mm. that doesn't doesn't work that way because you know those people are still unemployed. Um, it's a it's a it's a challenging one, mate. Let's let's move on. Um, I want to actually, oh God, swing a frying pan into the fire. I want to talk about climate change, <laughs> uh, which some of our listeners love, some of our listeners loathe, and you know, it is what it is. I have my views. You have your views. We've both been pretty clear about it. Um, I, I may rant about it at the end of this if I get if I remember to, but I'll I'll, I'll try not to. Um, I so we've talked about this a little bit, and even as, as we talked about this agenda for this morning, I said to you, mate, we're, we've talked about this a lot, um, and I do feel like we're almost prone to overdoing it. Except that it, we're kind of at least this week, I'm taking my lead from the papers and and from the news, right? And the last couple of weeks, we've seen the News Corp papers come out in favour of net zero by 2050. We've seen, I'll say separately, um, the Treasurer, the Prime Minister, and the leader of the Nats, so Morrison, Frydenberg, and Joyce, all come out and back the very same thing. Call it coincidence if you choose to. Um, but at the same time, we're seeing the RBA has now come out and warned about the risk of finance uh, availability and cost if the government doesn't have a policy and businesses don't have a policy on climate change. Mm. We have seen the Treasurer himself come out and say, hey, if we don't sort this out, our home loan rates could go up because lenders from overseas are going to see Australia as a ESG, environmental, social and governance risk as a country, right? Just because we're not choosing to make those decisions and go down those paths. I, you know, again, I, it's, it's really difficult, right? Because my, my ideological view tends to align here with what I think the, the market is. And so I've always got to be careful of my inherent biases, right? Maybe I want this to be true. Maybe I'm glad it's true. Um, I've, got to, I've got to check those biases to, as much as I can at the door or at least acknowledge them. But I have to say, mate, this is becoming... It's always been a front page story as an environmental story, but as a business story, it feels like it's kind of like you better get on this train, guys, because it's leaving the station. And if you're left behind, and maybe the, maybe the analogy of Mosaic Brands is nice, right? They were a great physical retailer with no online presence. Once the world changed, they were just completely left behind. Premier Investments, JB Hi-Fi, Harvey Norman reporting sky-high record profits. Mosaic Brands raising capital because it just wasn't it wasn't where it needed to be when it needed to be there. Mm. Um, I don't know, mate. It, it it just it does strike me that the more time passes and really fast, like there's a there's a really really big changes, fast changes happening now with everybody saying, hey, this you you better get on board because because this is changing. If you're left behind, it's going to be more expensive. There's going to be fewer customers. Um, it, it feels like businesses really need to get religion and and frankly, investors need to understand whether you believe in climate change, whether you adhere to the idea, whether you think the rules and regulations and the implications are correct. They're going to happen anyway. I, I don't see any other way around this one. No, I don't. Well, look, we were talking about ethical investing the other day, and th- th- this was precisely my point: is that this is this is where it can have an impact on mass, mm. because it, th- this is this is the, the the consequence of of a lot of people shunning or avoiding these kinds of things. It's just yeah, yeah. lower valuations, higher financing, all the things that you just talked about. Um, mm, mm. So yeah, and, and and look, that as we've said, that doesn't mean you you don't invest in these spaces, and I'm yeah. sure there's be some wonderful opportunities there. But it does temper what it does temper 
some of the assumptions you need to make in terms of what multiples you might be able to achieve on market and mm-hmm. uh, what 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 funding costs there might be available and on all of this kind of stuff. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I I think there is there is a very noticeable shift underway and that it is it is building momentum and I I can only see it. Yeah, you know, the fact's always out in the end of the day. I, I can only see it gaining momentum. It's 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 pretty. It's going to be a very brave company that takes a stand. Even a cynical company, right? That <laughs> that takes a stand against this. If enough people say yeah. this is important to me and will impact my decisions, whether that be mm. consumer or investing decisions, yeah. you know, you got to do something. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's a it's there's a lot of trends and fads in markets. Um, I think this is this is this is one that's only going to get bigger. I think that's it. I think, you know, you've got a, yeah, again, we need to, I said, it's easy for me to say this because my, my view happens to align with what I think is happening in the market. So it's, it's easy for me to say to other people, you need to just you need to, you know, separate those. And people say, well, hang on, you're not doing that, Scott. That's true. But as investors, we kind of need to put aside the ideology and the politics. We've said many times, so it's worth saying again, the research in the US over a century and more is that the, the political party in power makes no difference to the stock market on average. Mm. It just doesn't, right? Like, so, so for all the people who say, oh, Obama got in there for buy solar and we saw Solar City go completely belly up. Trump comes in by infrastructure. And then there's, you know, there's, there's so many other versions of, of this where it just doesn't matter. It doesn't change the market response. Mm. So it's, you know, those who say, well, you know, Republicans are good for the markets or Democrats are bad or vice versa for, for all the matters. Um, it just isn't. It doesn't. It's not backed out by the data, right? You got to separate the ideology from the data. Yep. Here's the just just quickly, mate. So this is the AFR story. Um, the CFR is the Council of Financial Regulators, which is basically this group that includes the RBA and others. Here's the quote: CFR agencies will consider these developments and potential implications for Australia, including the risk that a dominant taxonomy. So sorry about the uh, the bureaucraties here. Emerges that is not well suited to Australia's need to finance the transition to lower carbon emissions. Um, it says the statement signed up by Guy DeBell after Josh Frydenberg talked about the fact we need to do it. Um, it is, uh, you know, and here's the here's the thing, the one sentence from the AFR that really stood out. And I, this is not new, but it's a reminder. In July, large foreign investment funds warned they could blacklist Australia and cut billions of dollars of investments in the country if the government fails to commit to a net zero 2050 greenhouse gas emissions target. And so it's just, you know, this is, <laughs> whether you like it or not, whether you think it should happen or not, you can say, stuff them, We'll we'll have a you know we'll have a higher cost, lower growth economy, and we'll be the master of our own domain. And I absolutely get people who say, I don't want to be bullied by the rest of the world, and that's true. You can choose that, right? But you need to know that's what you're choosing because you know the, the world is telling us if you want to do if you want to play in our sandpit, here are the here are the rules. And we can say no, thanks very much. I'll hit my bat and ball and go home and play my own sandpit by myself with the implications for that. And you can do that, mm. but you know again whether you whether you like it or not, whether you think it's right or not, all that stuff. It's, it, it is what it is what it is. We, we pay more for petrol because OPEC exists, the, the cartel that controls oil prices. In the same way, you can call it a cartel, you can call it a group of concerned countries, you can call it whatever you want. But if those international rules become the rules, we either play with those rules and, and get on with the game or we simply choose not to play and then suffer the consequences. Yeah, and it's, it's getting to a point, well, we're at the point in, in a lot of technology too where it's not even something you just do because quote unquote it's the right thing yeah that's right we're at the point now where just economically logically yeah, yeah, just yeah. a massive business rationale to be doing these things and then there's going to be the huge growth yep. and, and value creation opportunities yep. new industries emerge and the transition that is where some of the greatest wealth in, in the history of markets has occurred is during big transitions and structural mm. sh- shifts within industries uh, it's just a, it's immensely valuable for people who back the right horse at the right time so I think mm. I think I think you get to a point with all of this kind of stuff where it's just common sense, uh, hard-nosed finance decisions are going to drive mm. you uh, in that direction, and very strongly yeah. so. And and then you know those those clinging to to uh, whatever ideology <laughs> are mm-hmm. going to find themselves against some very very strong forces. And I, I it's not it's not a tide I'd I'd want to swim against. Okay, but I'm glad you went there because you. Uh, maybe you were doing it kindly because you knew what's coming next, or maybe you didn't, but we did talk about this beforehand, so I'll, I'll give you some credit and assume you've done it deliberately. Thank you. But at the same time, so here's two headlines from Thursday's SMH. The first is, renewables tipped to overtake fossil fuels by 2030 in terms of that's the Australian, uh, the Australian uh, power uh, electricity market. So there's that, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the trend. The other headline, which sits literally right beside on the business page, is coal prices are roaring back amidst a global energy crunch. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I wanted to 
you know, you know, on one hand, for all of for everything I just said, for all of the you know uh, my preference around climate change and all that kind of stuff, it's completely irrelevant. We talked about this last week. Whitehaven coals roared back to life. New Hope coal roared back to life. And again, I I will disclose that's partly owned by Soul Pats. I own shares in Soul Pats. Um, just for the pure, for the sake of being absolutely clean as crystal here. So, you know, you've got both happening, right? Like, mm. which, which headline do you believe? What do you do? I I get the trend, right? It's always comfortable to invest in the trend because I get that. But if you're, uh, you know, a more, uh, I don't know what the word is, iconoclastic investor maybe or just someone who who doesn't necessarily need to follow the trend is saying, well, man, at, at whatever the price was of white having coal or just coal in general as a, as a commodity, man, there was some money to be made. This thing was way oversold. There was plenty of opportunity there. Um, you can invest in the trend, sure, and, and maybe you can invest in renewables. So I will ask you about that in a minute because mm. that's tough. Mm. Um, but yeah, like you know, which which one is true, right? Are they, are they both true? Is, is, yeah, they're you know, both is, true. Is a, and how is that? How is that possible? How do you, as an investor, though, how do you deal with both of those things? Well, they're they're both absolutely true, and I don't I don't see any real cognitive dissonance at play here. We're, we're okay. talking about one which has been a, a dramatic ramp up. Uh, in the price of a commodity due to short-term mm-hmm. factors. So there's been a lot of um, a- a- a additional industrial capacity over in yeah. China due to the, the pandemic in, um, spurring on a bunch of demand in certain areas. And they just mm-hmm. these, are, these are short-term factors that were washed through. And how were they washed through? Because as we've spoke about extensively with iron ore not that long ago, um, you know, these higher prices spur more production, which which make, gives a mm. supply side response, which drives the prices down. That 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 will happen. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. is, you know, Whitehaven coal's gone from a dollar to three bucks. That's brilliant. Well, you know, it did the same between 2016 and, and 2017, and then came all the way back <laughs> down again. So they, they, these are sort of like these cycles within cycles. The, the bigger yeah, one, right. the shift the shift in the the structure of the energy market over the next yeah. year that is a big structural shift, which is much stronger. If you had to bet mm-hmm. on which one of these trends was going to continue longer term, it's you know what's well, why the boffins and experts have, have said what they've said. It's it's very clearly going in, in one direction. <laughs> Does a short term spike in the coal price undermine or change that? Uh, no, absolutely not. In, in fact, you could probably argue. Actually, wait a second. A really high coal price that can't that that can't be good for electricity generators. That makes them less competitive against the alternative, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think it's perfectly consistent. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a third rail through this, mate. Just mm-hmm. just for, just for the fun of it, Please. and. I'm going to say that, I, look, I, I have no, I have no strong conviction on this. I don't, I don't invest in mining companies, generally speaking, um, generally because the economics tend to be ordinary in general, right? And that might be enough, right? even separately to the renewable thing. And I'm talking about, you know, iron ore included, right? Which isn't, I mean, I guess it's kind of tangentially climate change related because it's you, you got to burn, um, you got to burn coal to help make steel. So kind of it's related to some degree. Mm. But I, so here's the thing, I, I think there'll be less additional energy produced by coal in the next X number of days, weeks, years, decades. But I'm also not entirely... So I lived in the southern highlands of New South Wales down southwest of Sydney. And the Hume Coal Project, which was mooted, owned by POSCO, the South Korean giant, um, it was trying to build a massive coal mine down here. And only, I think it was this week, maybe late last week, the regulator said, no, you can't do it. We're not going to let you build a coal mine in the Southern Highlands. Now, I'm pretty happy about that. Plenty of, plenty of locals are happy about that as well. Um, and it, dude, there's a bit of nimbyism, let's be honest. Uh, but if you own a current coal mine and others aren't either allowed to or find it feasible to build more coal mines, even if you're in a dying industry over 20, 30, 40 years, maybe you know, 2050 net zero, but that's not even zero, zero, it's net zero. So there's some offsets is implied in that. Mm. If I've got a coal mine now and there aren't going to be many more opened or approved or built or dug, maybe maybe there's actually, you know, maybe both is true even in the longer term that the coal price goes up, but uh, but the current, you know, until they close the current coal file generators, they're going to need that coal. Mm. And if they need that coal, someone's going to provide it and no one new is going to bring it to the, to the market. So, you know, is you know, if you're the last saddle maker in town, the saddle business might be struggling because everyone's driving cars, but someone's buying saddles. There's only one of you left providing them. You can name your own price at your own hours and probably make a decent living out of it. Is is not is it not possible that both are true, not only in the short term, but actually in the medium and long term? Yes. Uh, <laughs> that, that's that's the polite yes, which is really yes, but which is really no, you're an idiot. But I won't say that on, on the no, podcast. No, no, no. I, I totally, hear, I totally hear what you're saying. Um, but but it is you are still. Well, let's look at that scenario. Let's say mm, you are a mm. coal miner. No one else is opening up anymore. You actually get get to enjoy less competition and better pricing yep. and, and all of that kind of stuff. But each day your mine becomes less valuable every every ton you mm. ship. 
So you're still you're you're very much on on borrowed time, and I yeah. I, I just feel as though it it we've talked about this before. I, I think the swing factor would for me would be the mindset of management if they right. really recognised the reality of the situation <laughs> and thought, well, yeah. This is this is dying, but we're going to make hay while the sun shines, and we're going to run this thing for cash. I think you probably can, but we know human yeah. hubris and management mm-hmm. hubris, and we know that there's always empire building, and it's the company mm-hmm. that might be able to actually generate cash flow through its operations, but then continues mm-hmm. to plow that into d- dumb things um, could be mm-hmm. disastrous. So that's you're right, but there's it, it, it's just it's still you're still sailing into the wind, makes it much yeah. harder, and it does yeah. require on on a on a business to be run in the appropriate manner for a sunset industry, I think. Mm. It's, yeah, I think, I think I, you're exactly right, man. It depends on how you run. The, the, average, the average mining mining executive opens more mines, right? Right, and so, so you do. If you're Whitehaven Coal and you hope for something else saying, we're, we're going to run there this in 15 years' time, let's open a new mine now and, and dig a big hole to get ready for when that runs out, then you're in trouble. Um, if you're, I, 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 would, I would almost believe you could make money if you bought Whitehaven today and ran it for cash. I think you end up with a positive result. Oh, even yeah, if a the, better the, result. The climate change outcome, right? I, I actually yeah. a better result. I mean, if, if they came out today and said, "Listen, we are our strate- long-term mm-hmm. strategic plan is to close." The, I don't know what their, their mind lives are like. Let's go off the hypothetical and say so we we are mm-hmm. going with the st- very deliberate strategic decision to mm-hmm. to wind up the business in ten years from today. Between then and now, we're yeah, not yeah. going to spend a cent more than we have yes. to on just maintenance yes. capital. We're going to take everything out that we best, best most efficiently as we can, and we're going to mm-hmm. return all of that cash to shareholders. I mean, that is never going to happen. But if it did happen, I, yeah. I'd almost wager shareholders would do better than under the alternatives. I, in fact, I very much wager that because because it, it is going to mm-hmm. it is there is a very serious risk. <laughs> that if if management doesn't do that, they and you know mining companies don't all of a sudden turn around and become accounting software developers. You know they, they, they're going to do what they do, and I just yeah. I just feel as and that that has been the history of it. They will just continue to double down, maybe into slight adjacent areas and the rest mm-hmm. of it. But it, we we know that the the, the cap, return on invested capital in this space is very uh, low on average and very. Yep binary almost in nature sometimes it can just be phenomenal when everything goes your way often it's very very terrible just mm. just don't don't take the risk we're closing down here's we're going to turn all the cash and actually based on the current price you, you're going to get a really good return out of that yeah. you, you might even see the share price go up you might even yeah, yeah. see the share price yeah. go up after that announcement yeah you're, you're the miner you're the miner for as long as you're making money or until the mine's empty or both and then yep. at some point you say okay we just crossed that threshold we're closing things down turning off the lights we've, we've, we've allowed for all the employee entitlements we're going home yeah brilliant yeah. won't happen Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Mate, um, let's actually, I'll, I'll get, I want to talk about the investments that are worth making in a, in a, in a climate change reality world. Uh, but before I do, I, I, I want to double down this anti-trend thing, right? I talked about coal and that's its own thing and we can argue about that. One that's probably le- less polemic in terms of the, the ideology of it, yet... Well, it depends on your ideology, I suppose. Article, in, again, in this week's papers, it was this one's in the Australian, about a, a Queensland bookseller. I don't think I've ever heard of QBD. Have you heard of QBD, the, the Queensland bookseller? I don't think so, no. So the current CEO took over, I want to say, five years ago. I uh, had, I want to say, it must have been oh, my 50 stores, something like that. There's now apparently 130 mm. stores. Mm. QBD is the largest bookseller in Australia. This is years, maybe, I want to say more than a decade, since Angus and Robertson went bust, which was the, I don't know if this is state-based or not, maybe it is, I don't know, but yeah, certainly when I grew up as a kid, Angus and Robertson bookstores were everywhere, mm. Dimmicks were everywhere. Um, they've kind of gone, right? I'm not sure if Dimmicks is entirely gone, but it's almost gone. Um, the uh, Angus and Robertson brand is gone. I think it might be selling online as part of something else these days. And yet, QBD is growing phenomenally, and I, I guess this, maybe this maybe this is the anti-trend podcast. Not because I'm saying we should be anti-trend, but it's you know for, for all of the again all of the predictions of doom and gloom and death of books and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, as much as Amazon was the death of everyone, and and you know Kindle and eBooks were the death of of physical book retailers. QBD now does 135 million dollars of, of book sales. I think is the numbers. Um, it's it's just a it's just a hell of a story, and I do wonder where you. Um, again, I, I maybe not even asking a question, maybe making a point. Maybe there's something in between. Um, but it sold 130 million dollars of printed books last year mm. in an industry that was supposed to be dead. Mm. I'm gonna say if you'd have bought 
shares in physical booksellers three, five, seven, twelve years ago, you'd be seeing on a, on a small fortune. Maybe someone gone broke. Maybe some survive. But I, I guess I'm just asking for reflections, investment lessons, thoughts. Is this is this the the dead cat bounce? Is this uh, the success of an oversold? Industry is it is it the story of being able to to flex and move in a in a disruptive space? How do you how do you, you know? I, I don't know what I'm asking. What do you think? I, I, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating one. I mm. reckon there's parallels there with the cinema industry actually, because you could make yep. a case there with Netflix and everything else that that, that that's an industry that that should die. And yeah, you know, but I, I think we all, particularly in market narratives, they're all very black and white kind of stuff and there's just a heck of yeah. a lot of nuance so yeah. they can be again there can be two things that are true at the same time are physical yeah. books as a market are generally on the way and I actually don't have the data I'm assuming mm-hmm. so but are they going to zero no yeah. um, uh, is there always going to be a market I mean your horse analogy right there are, there are saddle makers today and there'll be saddle makers probably in a hundred years time you know even though the horse is completely irrelevant as a sorry horse lovers as a means of transportation <laughs> um, yeah. in, any, in any modern sort of sense they, they are still still there and i so so yeah that there we we don't want to be too broad in our in our um uh, narratives and just sort of saying oh because of x then y and just to be very yeah, very yeah. absolute in in that kind of thing uh, the other thing i would say without knowing anything about the company but i bet there's a whole bunch of uh, execution expertise that is there. So there, I bet you there's a bunch of right, bookstores right, right. that have done terribly, but these mm. guys have just got a really good model, a really good <laughs> sense for things. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it sort of yeah. seems like a bit of a cheat to say that, but the older I've yeah. gotten, the more I've realised that that is just the, it, it is that any business is just a collection of people, and when mm. you've got mm. very very savvy people uh, at the top with really clear uh, uh, strategies yeah. and great operational excellence, geez, that is huge competitive advantage. It's hard to quantify and identify and all of these kinds of things. Mm. But I mm. bet you that is true here, where someone has had the the vision and courage, frankly, to sort of invest in this area, invest heavily, and then reap reap, reap the rewards. I, I, mm. I bet you there there's a hundred other examples of things out there today that look as though they're in <laughs> um, um, very difficult spots, but mm. there'll, there'll be pockets mm. of, of, of brightness. Hundred percent, there will be. Again, it always comes back to the same. We always land on the same point, isn't it? It's, it's always about the business, not about you know. You've got to consider the, the economy. You've got to consider the industry. Yes, yes, yes. But it, again and again, it just mm-hmm. underlines the point for me that the business itself is what matters. Some will have better conditions. Some will have tougher, tougher conditions. <clears throat> but a good business mm-hmm. is a good business, no matter no matter what sector it's in. So I think, but I think that's it, right? I think maybe maybe we've, we've kind of gone all over the map, but nicely, I think covered it off because you, we, we talked about you know getting on getting on board with the trend, and and, and then we've talked about um, the, the management of, of even a coal business, for example, being able to run that as economically successful as possible. We talked about the category or the sector and what it's doing and where the trends are going. Um, break that apart for me, just kind of to, to bring this to some sort of not conclusion, but yeah, you know, semi a, a, a temporary conclusion before we talk about it again in a couple of weeks' time. Um, how do you you know how do you think that through? I mean, if if a coal mine with a great management team is okay, but uh, in theory, then a renewables business with a terrible management team might also be terrible. Or maybe, yeah. as we said before, that the reputation of the management team, the reputation of the business with with bad economics, we've said the business tends to win. Um, I wouldn't have I wouldn't invested in a bookseller if you paid me for the last five or ten years, and yet yeah. QBD has done sensationally well, and I would have missed that story, and I. I, I wonder, so as an investor, like, you know, should I have seen a great manager and gone, ah, these guys are the, the, you know, these guys are the exceptions? Or do I say, look, it might be the exception, but the trend's tough or the sector's just too hard, don't bother? Or, you know, could, again, the, the problem with trends for mine is everyone knows them, right? And so yeah. the opportunity for a market beating performance, if, if the trend is so clear that everyone's priced it appropriately, there's no opportunity left. Even if you're dead right, you still miss out. Like tech, right? You take the, the dot-com room. Most of the business models there actually came to fruition. Mm. I think it's um, uh, Mark Andreessen from Andreessen Horowitz, one of the you know storied VC firms in, in Silicon Valley, mm. who said none of the dot-com ideas were wrong. They were all just early. Yeah. He said there was not a single – I don't think I'm misquoting him. There's not a single – I'm not doing it word for word, of course. There's not a single um, business mm. that was wrong. That was yep. just too early. Yep. And so, you know, but you still paid a squillion dollars for it. The trend was right. The business was right. The price was wrong. Yep. Break that apart for me, if you can. It's, it's probably the unanswerable question, but you've got the business, you've got the sector, you've got the trend, you've got the management team. 
And sometimes they'll be arguing against each other. A great management team in a coal company, a terrible mm. management team in a bookseller. Yeah. Um, a great management team in a bookseller. Uh, you know, all that stuff is just it's hard. change. Yeah, I'm not going to give you an yeah. easy answer. It's hard. Oh, come it's, on. You've got to, you, have to, you have to hold a whole <laughs> bunch of competing ideas in your head at once. Yeah. And there's no company on earth where if you draw a line down the middle of a piece of paper and then write pros on one side, mm-hmm. cons on the other, there is no company on earth that is all pros. You know, there's, there's hair on, on every pickle, <laughs> so mm-hmm. to speak, no, no matter how, how juicy that pickle might otherwise be. So, so yes, look, don't ignore the trend or these big sector shifts. And they're important, but, but they're not the entire story. And it's, this is where investors so often mm. go wrong. More often on the flip side, let's invert this for a second. It's like the person who says, electric cars are going to be big, so I'm buying lithium. It's like, whoa. Yeah, so, right, right. So there's a couple of things there that are generally true. I'm going to agree with that. But uh, uh, is buying a lithium company just because mm-hmm. electric vehicles are going to be big the right move? Well, no. A bunch of lithium in, uh, extractors are going to do terribly for investors. Absolutely right. terrible. I would say m- most will. Um, uh, so you've got to go. You've got to go beyond that. That first level thinking. Yeah, there's 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 broader trends at play, but just mm-hmm. then then dig deeper, build up a case. You, you're kind of like a lawyer arguing in a courtroom here. You know, there's actually a good debate to be had, and you need to have a very honest and open debate with yourself here. Um, yeah. But it's 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 nuanced. It's complex. It's multifactorial. It, it's mm-hmm. all of those things. Mm-hmm. And, and if it was only that easy, I mean, so I was on the, the call with Ausbiz this week and it's all these nice. stories about, oh, what should I buy because the reopening? Australia, uh, mm-hmm. you know, New South Wales mm-hmm. going out of lockdown, I'm going to buy a travel stock. And it's like, well, you know, the thing, you can draw a line between the sort of the, the thought and the, and the action, <laughs> but it's, it's just too simplistic, you know, that everyone's looking at that. You, 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 yeah. you need a variant percep- perception here. Mm-hmm. You need... Mm-hmm. You need something that goes beyond just the easy to, 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 to sort of say narrative. Even though there might be a, generally a, a great truism in and of itself, mm. there's just a lot of other things to sort of consider. So what you really want is things that just line up as best as possible on a, across as many areas as possible. Um, <laughs> but but just don't don't invest on a single, you know, yeah. slight uh, a very uh, a polar uh, what's the word very narrow view of yeah. of, a, of a very complex situation. I think it's hard. I think mate, that 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 is probably the conclusion. I think I, I got to as well, which is just remembering that don't don't take the easy A is happening, therefore B must be true. Yeah, because um, even even those travel stocks, right? Even if you're right, they're up phenomenally. West, Webjet is at I think at a fifty-two week high. Mm. Corporate travel, I own shares in both those businesses, is back to twenty-four dollars or something. It's probably fallen a little bit in the last couple of days. I haven't checked recently. I tend not to, mm. which people find hard to believe, by the way. But I really don't check my portfolio very mm. often. Um, uh, you know, and those things, those things are can both be true at the same time, right? Mm. But but if the price has already gone up, the market's already packed, already factored that in, waiting for the news. Oh, now we're we buy some travel stocks. Like no, no, they corporate travel went from five to twenty five. Webjet went from I don't know how cheap it got one two dollars mm. back to six seven. Mm. Uh, guys, that's already priced in. Now, you know, now yeah. the time to buy stocks for the reopening was way before the reopening. Yeah, <laughs> not, not not once it happens, right? Because yeah, the market for all its inefficiencies is a pretty good at looking forward and, and extrapolating or at least, you know, pricing in the stuff that we think is likely to happen. Yep. Yep. 100%. Always a good assumption to start with is that the market's right and I'm wrong. It's a good place yeah, to start. Right. Yes. Not, which, again, we're trying to look for that where it's not true, but the, the assumption should be that most of the time it is. Yep. Mate, let me, let me, a couple of quick things. Um, let's, let's finish with, with the kind of meandering coal, climate change, trends, um, conversations. We get asked a lot. We got a question during the week about, and we normally get service from mailbag, but it's relevant for this one. I, I, it was it was just kind of a, a passing question. Was good renewables companies to invest in? Because I think, you know, you mentioned the trend. You mentioned travel companies, and I've said a squillion times. I, I also said a squillion times. I had to come up with a new analogy, but for now, this one's the best one. Just because you know, a hundred, a thousand times as many people now travel through the uh, through the airline network in a, in a normal year, not this year, in a normal year, than they did 50 years ago. It didn't make airlines a great investment. So even if the trend is right, mm. you still got to make sure the business pays. 100%, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have, uh, I've really, really, really struggled to find businesses that are investment grade that are in the renewables space. People say, oh, I get renewables. I know the trend's here. New South Wales has signed up to halving our carbon intensity by 2030 and net zero by 2050. That announcement only came out this week. Again, just to again add to the news pile of the changes that we're seeing. Mm. And so the logical question is, well, man, I'm seeing all this stuff. Which which renewables business do I invest in? And mm. I got to say, mate, for mine, I haven't found one. I don't. You know, it, it's it's really hard. And I I wonder whether this is going to be one of those like the airline story where the trend happened, the change happens, but energy generation, no matter how you do it, is still a crappy business because it has been for years. Mm. Um, 
I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know the answer. I don't have an answer for people. So I thought I'd ask you because when I find questions too hard to answer, I make you answer them. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, you know, renewables business, are there any that are investment grade on, on the ASX? I'd say, yeah. I'll, I'll give you one okay. in a sec, actually. Um, the, the tricky thing here is to look at the entire value chain and extract yeah. the, focus <laughs> in on the area which sort of captures the most value from, from something, awesome. being, something being delivered. Let's go with your airline um, story for a second. So the uh, uh, computer booking systems... Mm. People who have done that for airlines have made squillions since right. since we've started putting planes in the air. <laughs> Catering companies yeah, that, yeah. that have long-term contracts with the airlines, and they've done really well. Airlines haven't made a cent. Mm. But mm. there's been... But someone's creating, there's a huge, there is a great deal of, <laughs> let's be broad here, there's a great deal of value in being able to jump on a plane and travel to the other side of the world in, in yeah. less than a day. Um, you know, so that, there, that has created a huge amount of value for the world. It's just, it's just mm-hmm. that the airlines themselves have, haven't captured it. The same is true, I think, in terms of renewable energy. So a lot of the generators are probably going to be very poor businesses. You know, at best, you might have some half-decent infrastructure plays that play a decent in sort of income if you get it at the right price, you know, that, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But there's a lot of companies that are going to be servicing these companies that I think are going to do really well. Mm. Um, so the one I'll give you is EnviroSuite. Now, I've talked about this for a long time. Yeah, I've yeah, held, yeah. held shares. I sold down when things got silly. I bought back in quite heavily over the last year. So I'm, I'm biased and, and that's that's the disclosure there. Yep. So these guys do environmental monitoring. They... Um, they don't. They don't make the uh, generally speaking the, the sensors that you put out in the field, but they have the software that manages mm-hmm. all of that. So you can put this around a port, around a sewerage plant, around a mine. It'll measure dust. It'll measure noise. It'll measure pollutants. It'll measure odors. It'll measure a whole bunch of things. They've got some a few okay, other cool. irons in the fire and stuff as well. But it's a very mm-hmm. strong ESG kind mm-hmm. of story. And yet it's it's a it's a software company. It has all the advantages with all of that kind of stuff. So I I'm, I'm not I'm not here to to plug uh, EnviroSuite. It is small. It is um, uh, earlier stage. <laughs> it's much riskier than, than a lot of other mm. companies. I'm going to put all of that out there. But it's a good example of how you can, I hate to use this term, but play the theme without <laughs> having to go directly to the to the generators yeah. themselves. There's the, yeah, nice. the, and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to think off the top of my head, but I bet you there's a lot of other examples like that as well. Yeah. Oh, oh what, what, what's the, um, oh, I've gone blank now. The mining services company that's got some really cool, oh, Oh, this is why we should pre-record um, uh, uh, Planet Internet. But, but yeah, there's a lot of examples like that and that's where I would find it. You know what it is? It's, it's the picks and shovels kind of philosophy that you take to miners. So in the mining boom, who made the most money? The mining services companies did. Yeah, who right. made the most money in the, in the, in the gold rush of, of yore? Mm-hmm. You know, the, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Levi, the guy who was make, selling jeans to the miners. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, there is right. huge amounts of value created for the yep. right people. Yep. Just don't, don't go a bit deeper. Find, find where the value yep. creation is really, exciting i like it mate let me ask you the follow-up question then how do you did you do that so if i if i think about renewables generally as a theme do you find a virus with separately and then kind of realize it was part of a trend or did you start with a trend and try and because if you said any look take let's say i was brand new electricity or, or even a renewables right you said right there's this thing <laughs> a new energy generation called renewables um it's big it does all this cool, cool stuff now you know there'll be someone who makes the money here go and find it I don't know if I could learn enough about the industry to, to, to know firsthand from first principles who's going to where the, where the value is going to accrue. You know, does it accrue to the generator, the the, the picks and shovels players, literally the tool makers, mm. the monitors, as you say, with the virus suite. Um, there's millions of other component parts to this. Labor hire firms, it could be mm. uh, uh, importers, it could be landowners, it could be you know if I tried to d- dissect the entire renewables ecosystem i don't know that i would do enough you know it's been weeks and weeks and weeks on it maybe still get it wrong mm. um do you do it that way or do no. you do it the other way find the business have a look at it and go oh wow there's obviously something happening here yeah i, I think it's hard to try and force force something you know you right it, it's i say I, okay i want to invest in in something in this space i'm just going to now go through two thousand companies and find which one fits <laughs> the best right. it's really hard it's really yeah, hard to yeah. do or I just tend to well, I'm just I'm a, I, I just do a lot of reading in this area, mm. and I'm straw man, mm. and the rest of you know we're always talking stocks, and every now and again something comes across your desk, and mm. you sort of scratch at the surface, and it, well, that's interesting and surprising, mm. and you just keep digging and digging and digging, and you just so it's not a matter of saying I I bought shares in EnviroSuite because I really wanted to play that theme. It's just I came across mm. a company, I had a whole bunch of things I liked, and plus here's one of the other things that's sort of going for it, it sort of mm. helps form part of the narrative. It's not it's not the crux of the narrative, but definitely forms part of it. And mm. and this is and this is we, we've talked about before too that the, the huge advantage you get with 
persistence and endurance in this game because you just build up a knowledge base that's, you know, over, there's not that many new company listings and delistings <laughs> each year. So that, mm, you know, you, mm. you know, once you've sort of looked at a company and you've got some notes on that, you keep coming back to that again and again. And, mm. and, and, and you just, you, you will come across some really exciting companies and they might not be right for you at this point in time, but when the next, you know, when things change, maybe they will. And, and you just, mm. you know, pe- people love the easy answer here, which is why I'm struggling a bit. You know, it says, oh, you just do a scan, look yeah. for a PE of between this yeah, and that, right. yield that, and that's going to spit out everything. It's, just, yeah, it's yeah. not that, I'm sorry, it's not that easy. If it was, yeah, yeah. you know, there wouldn't be fund money. There'd just be a computer somewhere doing it all. And it's, it's, <laughs> that's right. it's, 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 but, but, but if I can be a bit more uh, positive about it, therein mm. lies your phenomenally huge advantage uh, over the mm. person who's not prepared to sort of go a little bit deeper. You, you, don't, you don't need to be the world's expert on something. You just need to know more than, you know, maybe 70% of everyone else and you've got a massive, massive yeah. edge there. And you'll get that with a bit of persistence and, and reading and due diligence. You know, it's it just, mm. uh, it's not for everyone. Most people won't do it and, and that's why it's worth doing. Yep, I think that's, I think that's a really good one, mate. I still... Uh yeah, I think yeah, the the opportunity is there. Um, there there is more risk depending on how if the industry is younger and the supply chain or the value chain, I should say, is simply less known. Uh, but the ability to kind of see businesses, I I I'm sorry, I was going to add to that. So to, I, I should make it, uh, make the point that for me, there's there's no um, uh, trying to guess that that um, this is going to be a good company. I already like to see a yeah. bit of traction. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, they might have a potential all these, but it's not be, just because of that. It's actually the business is, every business has a good story, mm-hmm. but it's generating sales, actually really fast growing sales. It's doing this, it's doing that. It's like the, these things that mm-hmm. support the narrative objectively where you can actually like support the case with it. So I just I just wanted to make that remark that no, people feel as though you need to be in right at the ground floor before anything has been validated. We're playing, I happily give up a lot of early upside to reduce the risk significantly because I can still do phenomenally well um, having missed the first 50, 100, 200%. Um, uh, but investing in a business which has actually got validation behind it. So also look for that. I just wanted to make that point. No, I really like that, mate. I was actually, I, was, I did a video for our members which go went live about now, which actually might have already gone live. Um, uh, now which is in Friday, um, where we kind of, you know, sometimes when you think about businesses that are successful, it's not enough just to say they're, they're doing well so they'll keep doing well, but that's also not the worst place to start, right? So to your point, yep. you don't have to pick a turnaround. You don't have to try and be on the absolute bleeding, bleeding, bleeding edge and saying, this business has got no revenues, no profits, no business model, but he's a nice guy in the right space and he's got a good idea, maybe it'll work. You can literally say, well, you know what? Even if I don't use the service, don't understand the business, don't know what it's doing or can't, can't you know, right, I'm not saying we don't do any research, but, you know, th- there's a reason that businesses have momentum. Mm. Um, I spoke to, this one, I spoke to the, Here's a, here's a gratuitous plug, mate, for people who've made it this long. The Good Oil with Scott Phillips next <laughs> week, next Tuesday. Uh, stars, I'm not going to give it away just yet. You might get it out of me on, on, uh, on Sunday. Uh, but we have a CEO who is uh, running a fast-growing public-facing company. And the, the conversation, you know, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a user of this company's products, right? Uh, but the, the, the simple reality is they've got really, really great long-term compound growth rates. Mm. And so I can look at that and say, oh, yeah, well, they shouldn't be successful because of X or maybe they won't work because of Y. And yeah, that, that's absolutely true. You should look at the competition, you should look at the dynamics, look at the industry, make sure this is not you know, either a, a flash in the pan or something that's going to stop soon because of X, Y, or Z. But as, a matter, but as a matter of course, if you've got a growing business that's growing moderately year after year, if they can grow sales and they can grow gross profit, ideally if they can grow net profits, You've, you, it's like, well, I could, I could try, I could bet against it, but the better odds on a business like that is it's probably going to keep growing. It's probably going to keep being successful. Yep. If you can get those businesses for a half decent price, there's, there's plenty of opportunity there too. Business momentum is really real. I, you Isn't know, it? I yeah. ju- it, yeah. it's so and for good and bad, you know. So companies that are struggling can t- tend to keep struggling, as we know, turnarounds are very, yep. very. T- yeah, I know there's exceptions. Yep. So there, in, in this game, there are lots of exceptions to any rule. But as a general truism, it's it's something that you know, winners keep on winning, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's why it's why the high quality stocks always look expensive, I suppose. Yeah, that, that's exactly right, mate. That's probably going to do us. If people want to get hold of you, they can jump on Twitter. You're still exclusively on Twitter, I understand. Is that right? I am. 
It's my social network of choice. God knows how. I'm not actually. I'm, I've been really it. slack lately. I've got to. I've got to get a bit more active on it. But it, yeah. it, it is fair. You do. You do use Twitter and Burst. Every now and again, I see a few tweets like, "Oh, he's back," and then it just disappears. Again. <laughs> to your point about volatility, though, earlier, I don't see it disappear. I just notice when you're back. So there you go. Maybe there that's you go. The, uh, I, maybe that's a nice analog to bookend the bookend the podcast. I read it a lot more than I than I uh, tweet it. So give Andrew something to read. Follow him at Sage <laughs> underscore Simeon. Say good day. Uh, or follow Strawman at Strawman Invest. Which I didn't ask you at the beginning, Andrew. What is Strawman again? <laughs> we're a private investment club, my friend, as you well know. Um, <laughs> I do. We're a collection. Well, congratulations! Of- I'm, congratu- I'm contractually obligated to ask you. No, I'm not really. But you know, <laughs> I'm trying to give you, trying to give you a wrap because you, you spend your time and uh, with 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 me and with with our listeners, and I appreciate it and they appreciate. It. So it's worth saying. Strawman.com. 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 Oh yeah, please um, check it out. And at Strawman Invest on Twitter. If you want to follow me, you can follow me or the Motley Fool on Twitter and Insta. Uh, the handles are the same on both, so it's just easier rather than re- repeating it. So on Twitter and Insta, you get me at TMF Scott P. You can get the Motley Fool at the Motley Fool AU. You can, of course, get us on Facebook, The Motley Fool Australia, or Scott Phillips Money. We're on YouTube. Just search The Motley Fool Australia. And as I said, gratuitous plug for the other podcast that I do, The Good Oil with Scott Phillips. Um, I have a well, there's already some great episodes. If you're not resubscribed, seriously, you're missing out. But also, brand new episode coming out on what's well, Monday night, like midnight, sort of Monday night, Tuesday morning. So officially midnight Tuesday, but just to be clear, it's the early Tuesday, not the late Tuesday. Uh, and you can get the very, very next episode, which I might give away on if I'm feeling generous. Ooh, give away I did listen to the uh, Rosalind Kogan one. Very good. Oh, thank you, mate. Yeah, very you good. Were... Insomniac, eh? <laughs> it needed, needed help getting to sleep. <laughs> Did it help? No, I just listened to this podcast when, when, when I needed to. <laughs> That's right. Enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> All right, that'll do us. We'll, will you come back on Sunday? Absolutely. Yep. Beautiful. If you want to send us a question to answer, we won't t- do it this Sunday because, well, we're going to record this Sunday in about two minutes' time. Uh, but you can uh, you can send us a question for the next one and please do any of those socials or info at fool.com.au. Until then, until Sunday, from Andrew and I, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.